Last time I timed it, I was an hour and 29 minutes in. So we're going to hit some things fast. I had several messages on my heart that I wanted to share. Some very exciting things that happened to us over the years. And God's like, no, this is not the right time for them. I'm like, but God, you know, July 24th, 2016, in one night, you took me to heaven three different times. It showed me three different areas of heaven. And each time, there's an angel standing behind me saying, this is here, this is why you're here, and this is what you're seeing. Then I'm back down on earth. And I wake up in the middle of the night, whoa, that was a great dream. And then fall back asleep, wake up again, and I'm in heaven in a different place. And God showed me something else. And then it happened a third time. And I'm like, God, this is a great message. Let me share this one. He goes, nope, not this one, not this time. So if I ever get to come back up here again, I pray he lets me share that one. This message today is the desert and wilderness times of our lives. And I'm going to give you a real quick history of me. I was raised in a wonderful Christian home, five brothers, one sister. Parents were in the ministry their whole life, my whole life. And so I had that foundation. I met my beautiful wife on the mission field. And so we were very grounded. But even when you're grounded, there are times when you do go through the desert times of your life. And we were married in 2001. 2010, that fall, 2011, 2012, were the desert times of my life. In the fall of 2010, I got out of construction, got into another career, excited about it. But that rug was pulled out from underneath me. And that door was shut hard. I started to get a little depressed about it. Right after that, I get bronchitis. Right after that, I get pneumonia. February 2011, my dad passes away at 62 years young. So now I'm spiraling. I'm still going to church. I'm still working. But I'm starting to suffer from depression pretty bad. From then, I get sick again. I go back to the construction field. And that fall, I'd always wanted to go to Alaska and go on a hunt and stuff like that. So we saved the money. We went up there. And Fish and Wildlife gave us the wrong dates. So I spend the money and the time to go up there, and I don't even get to go out on the hunt I wanted to. I get back from that, and late 2011, early 2012, we have to put my dog down of nine years. And at that point, I'm depressed. My wife's trying to pull me out of it. I'm still going to church. I'm still working. God's still speaking to me, but yet my soul is in a desert, and it's in a wilderness. Only, someone can only handle so much depression in their life before it starts to affect their marriage. And my wife and I's marriage started to get very rocky and shaky at that time. And I know what you're thinking, all this stuff together, it really does sound like a bad country song. I mean, you're sick, your dog dies, your dad dies, you lose your job. Pretty bad. Anyway, at that time, Doug and June Perkins recommended we join Lamb, Love After Marriage. And, okay, let's try it. Let's try anything to get me out of this depression. We start going to Lamb, Love After Marriage, and they start giving us the tools we need to work on our relationship. And our marriage starts connecting again. But yet something's missing. And then all of a sudden... I was thinking about that, and God brought another person to mind in the Bible. 
Exodus 3, 1 talks about Moses and how Moses was raised in Pharaoh's palace. He had everything he wanted. And then one time, he kills the Egyptian. We're going to go real fast here for a little bit. He kills the Egyptian, runs to the wilderness. And in Exodus 3, it talks about Moses is now tending to his father-in-law's flock at the back of the desert. Now, I've been in deserts. And you go through desert to more desert to the back of the desert. I don't know how much desert he went through to get to the back of the desert, but that's a long ways. And there, he's at Mount Horeb, which is the mountain of God. And that's where the flaming bush happens. God talks to him and says, you now have a new job. You're done in the desert. I need to call you back out. Another person I'd like to bring up is in 1 Kings 18. It's Elijah. Now, Elijah's my man. That's, that's the guy I really admire. Here's a guy that on Mount Carmel goes up against 400-plus prophets of Baal. He's making fun of them. He's taunting them. You know, your God can't hear you. He's taking a nap. You know, maybe your God's in the bathroom. Maybe you need to cut yourselves now. And at the end of the day, he's like, enough. He prays to God. God sends on the fire, consumes the altar and everything. Tells, then Elijah tells his servants, grab all the prophets of Baal. Let's take them down to the creek. Take care of him. So now he's killed 400 guys in one day. Then he goes and tells Ahab, go eat and drink, be ready for the rain that's going to happen. Now they're in the middle of a drought. And at that point, Elijah goes up, lays down, starts praying, asks the servants, do you see any clouds? There's nothing. Do you see any clouds? Nope, nothing. Third time, yeah, there's a cloud out there about the size of a man's fist. That's all he needed. It's happening. He then gets up, pulls up his robe, tucks it into his belt, and outruns the chariots to the next town. At that point, Ahab goes and tells Jezebel, your prophets are all dead. The prophets of Baal are dead now, and it's Elijah's fault. So then she says, well, I don't care what happened, whose God did what. May it be to me, whatever is going to happen, but I want him dead. So then he takes his servants, Elijah does, travels a day into the next town, drops them all off. Then he travels a day by himself into the wilderness, sits down under a tree, and says, God, just take me now. I'm done. All this stuff has happened, but she's still sworn to kill me. She's already killed a bunch of your prophets. I'm done. And then and he falls asleep, an angel wakes him up. And there's some coals there, there's some little cakes, and a pitcher of water. He says, eat, drink. So he does and falls back asleep again. Then the angel wakes him up again and said, here's some more. Eat, drink. Now, I don't know what kind of food it was. I always wanted it to be angel food cake, but I doubt it was. <laughs> and then with the food that he ate and the water he drank, he went 40 days and 40 nights into the wilderness to the same mountain that Moses was at. It was Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And there, God told him, Stand in this cave, and you're going to hear an earthquake, and then fire, and then the wind's going to come and rip the stones apart. But God wasn't in any of those. And then he spoke to him. And so then that's when Elijah wrapped his head, went out, and spoke with God. And he's like, you know, I'm the last one, God. There's none others. She's killed them all. I'm done. And he goes, no. No, you're not, because I'm not done with you. I still have 7,000 hidden in a cave that you don't know about. 7,000 men that have not kneeled to Baal or kissed the statue that I'm keeping separate. But you, your calling now is to go anoint this man as the next king 
and pick up Elisha on the way. The third person I wanted to bring up was Jesus himself. John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. And John the Baptist was the voice crying out of the wilderness. And this is the part where Jesus comes to him and says, Hey, you need to baptize me to fulfill the scriptures. And John's like, No, I can't do that. I'm not even fit to untie your sandals, let alone baptize you. He goes, No, you have to. John knew he was the coming Messiah. There's something special there. And so he goes, Okay, baptize him. He comes up. Heaven's open. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit falls on Jesus like a dove. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, where he's tempted by Satan. And then at the end of it, the angels come, minister to Jesus, and then he turns around, comes into town, and starts calling his disciples. I'm going to jump from there back to a little bit of my story. We're in Lamb, and we're seeing the fruit of being all in. But I can still see something is missing. And so God at one point said, I need you to find a mentor. I need you to find somebody who will be a covering over you. And I said, well, God, I've got, you know, Steve's a pastor. We have the elders. I'm at church. He goes, no, no, that's, that's big covering. I need somebody who's going to be invested in your life. And he gave me a name. And I didn't know him very well. He goes, Max. I'm like, okay. I might not have heard that right. Let me double check. So I called Doug in June, and I asked them, and they said, and this is Doug's words were, that's awesome. He's perfect. That'll be great for you. But he's really busy, and I don't know how much time he's going to be able to invest. Hey, that's fine. I have confirmation. So then I called Steve and Midge. This is what I felt. This is what I heard. What do you guys think? And Steve said the same thing. He goes, this is, that's awesome. You know, I totally support it. I really encourage you to call Max and talk to him, but he's very busy. And so I don't know how much time he's going to be able to invest. So, you know, I kind of swallowed my pride and called somebody I'd talked to once or twice and said, hey, do you, have a, do you have an evening available? We can sit down and talk. They knew a little bit of what was going on, being an elder, um, in my life. They knew a little bit what was going on. I was coming out of that desert time, but I was still fighting depression, and I was still kind of flailing around. And so I remember going over to his house, and uh, he said, tell me what's going on. So I bleh. Here is this mess. Let's clean it up. And uh, in his max way, he goes, okay, I can meet with you once every four weeks to six weeks. I'm really busy. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. I've heard that once or twice. And then I went home that night, and I was like, man, I don't know, those of you who've been in the desert in your spirit before, you need somebody that's going to be investing and there a lot to not micromanage you, but to come alongside you and help you and say, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's try this. Not a boss, but a friend, but yes, somebody who you're willing to submit under. And I remember that night going home, like, okay, this is great. I'm starting out of this depression. I'm starting on a good path. And I get a phone call, actually a text the next morning about 6.30. He said, you up? So I called Max. I said, yeah, what's going on? He goes, well, God talked to me last night and made it very clear that I'm supposed to meet with you once a week for the next few months. And then after that, we're supposed to go to every two weeks for a couple months. And that I'm supposed to be highly invested in your life right now. Now, this goes back to, let's go back to Moses now. Moses has sent, hey, God tells Moses, you need to go back and get my people. It's time to bring them out of Egypt. And Moses is like, but I know talk good. Doesn't matter. 
get your brother Aaron and get my people out. And while you're doing that, you're going to start training up Joshua, the next generation. Elijah did the same thing. He went to Elisha. And Elisha, it says in the Bible, I may not have that one written down, that he was plowing his father's field with his father's servants. He had 12 oxen, all hooked up, plowing the field, and Elijah walks up and takes his mantle and throws it over him. And everybody knew Elijah back then. He was the prophet of God. And he knew when you throw your mantle over him, you're saying, I'm not choosing you not to be a servant, but to be the next mentee. I will be your mentor, and I'll be training you everything I know to be next in line. Now, Elisha, first thing he does is he gets nervous, like, oh, my, my, my family, my parents aren't dead yet. I'm supposed to take care of them. What am I supposed to do? And then Elijah goes, you know what? You're right. Maybe I was a little bit premature doing this. I don't know what I was doing asking you anyway. And it starts to go, and Elisha goes, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Here's what we're going to do. You wait a second. He goes, slaughters the ox, takes the yoke and all the harness, builds a big fire, cooks the ox, gives it to all the people, gathers up his stuff and goes to Elijah and goes, I'm willing to go with you wherever you go. I will follow you. There's no plan B now. The ox are dead. The harness is burnt. I can't go back. I have nothing to go back to. This is going to be a very short message. <laughs> I want to encourage you, those of you that are in the desert times of your life, God's calling you. God's there with you. I've talked to many people over the past two months that uh, an acquaintance shared for a half hour how he's hearing God more now sitting on the beach than he is in church. I'm like, good, that's good. But that doesn't mean that's all there is, you know. There are the desert times of our lives. Jesus was in the desert. Moses was in the desert. They were in the desert to meet face-to-face with God, and God was giving them direction. If you're in the desert in your spirit, or you feel like it's even physical now, it's a time for you to lean into God and say, okay, God, what's next? When I contacted Max, it was one of the hardest things I did because I submitting unto someone else isn't easy especially some we don't know. But when God called you to do that, you need to lean into it. The two things I told him that night when I was sitting at his house eating bratwurst and corn, I remember very clearly, was if you're willing to do this for me, the two things, I'll never lie to you, and I'll try to do everything you say 100%. There comes a time when people are like, okay, you need to quit your job, read your Bible 12 hours a day, I still have to pay the bills. So how about if I keep my job and read my Bible four hours a day? You know, there's a give and take there. But the two things I told Max is I will never lie to you, and I will try to do everything you tell me to do. Since then, he's had me share on more than one key night class on Wednesday nights. He said, you need to start coming to Monday night prayer. You need to get your prayer life immersed with others. You're not by yourself anymore. It's time for you to come out of the desert. It's time for you to come out. And in doing so, you're going to start picking up people that recognize that you have something going through that time. If you're in a desert or you've been through the desert before, you have a story to share. You have a story that someone else needs that I don't have. You need to share that with people. And in doing so, when you fall back in alignment with God, he's going to bless you. Now, I always wanted to have a cabin in the wilderness because there's no people there 
I can just go there. God didn't call us to live alone in the mountains, in the wilderness. Now, I am blessed. I have a beautiful family, and I have a house on a mountain now, but I don't have a cabin in the wilderness. And I just want to encourage you, lean into what God's calling you to do at this time. And if you're having trouble, reach out to someone. And afterwards, I'll give you Max's number if you want it. But like I said, I'm going to try to keep it short today. We have a lot going on. If there is something that God's asking you to do, check it with a friend, check it with the Spirit, get involved in a small group, but share your story. Share with others. And don't let the enemy take away the next step in your life. Because if you're spiraling like I was, you go down a dark path. And I never got in the drugs, I never got in the alcohol, I never know like that. But the thoughts and the direction I was going was going to end up very bad. And so at this time, I just want to say, if there is somebody that needs any kind of prayer, you know, you know someone else who can pray for you. There are people here to pray for you. And uh, that's most of what I have to share. Check my notes. Looks good. If I were to sum up this whole thing in one word... It would be accountability. Be accountable to others, and others will hold you accountable too. There are other people. Since then, Max has turned over the dads in the hall, the security to me, and we have a half dozen guys that make sure kids don't get lost on the way to get a drink and end up jumping on top of cars. It's only happened once. so. But the responsibility is going to come when God's called you out of the desert times, just like Elisha. He's the next minty under Elijah and Elijah's responsibility is to go and call those people and say okay I want to train you now so if you've been through the desert and God's called you back find someone else that you can help share find someone else that you can help relate with and pull under your wing at the same time finding someone else that will help keep you accountable too so thank you for sharing like I said it'll be short and sweet go over real quick You know what's fun about people's personal story and personal testimony? You can't argue with it. I don't care what your theology is. I don't care what kind of formal thing you formed in your brain of what you, what you argue about God or, or religion or whatever. Somebody's personal testimony, their personal story, people are defenseless against it. And it's amazing to listen to Josh's story. Of course, I got to be a big part of it. I didn't know he was going to podiumize me there and make me feel like something <laughs> like that. But uh, I always thought, I just thought it was fun. My journey with Josh was, was fun. I saw it as a, a, a great opportunity to give what I had and impart it into him and uh, just share my life with him because I had been through a long desert period. And uh, some of you know my story from about the end of 1999, 2000 to the year 2007, I went through a seven-year tri tribulation. I went through a seven-year uh, desert experience, the backside of the desert. And uh, I'll be honest with you, there were times I sat in this Sunday service where I just wanted to jump up and yell at Steve Shaw. I'm serious. Because the life that I was knowing should be, I wasn't experiencing. And I was hearing things that I know should be, but I wasn't experiencing.
and I was living in this far back desert place that it wasn't real. And it was really, really depressing. So when I came out of that and I started to grow, then I had something to give. And to impart that into Josh and help him on his journey was a nat natural expression of that. So I think Josh is right. Two things that are really important here today. Number one, if you're in the backside of the desert or if you're in some period that seems like a desolate wasteland, don't give up. That should be a marker that God has called you. If you're experiencing that desolate place, that barren place, and you feel like, man, has God forgot about me? You can answer that question right now. No, he's preparing you. He's preparing you to come out. He's preparing you to do something. He's preparing a calling on your life. And it might be a little while longer that you get to hang out there. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Nobody likes it. I didn't like it. Josh didn't like it. Moses didn't like it, I'm sure. And I can totally relate to Elijah when he was ticked off, sitting up there saying, God, just take me, because this is, I don't know how many times I prayed that. Lord, just take me. I don't even belong here anymore. This is not, this is not what I saw envisioned at all for a victorious Christian life. I must, be, I must be washed out. I must be done. Just take me. It doesn't make any sense anymore. So if you're in that place, that's number one. God has called you for something special. And it may not be your moment right now, or it may be your moment right now to have that desert end, I can't say. But I want to pray for two, two groups. Number one is that group, and the second group is the group that you've been in the desert, you've walked that journey, and you know it's your time to come out and be a mentor to somebody else. Got quiet in here all of a sudden. You know you have something to share. You know you have something to give. And you may not want to share it. <laughs> but that's natural. You should be a little afraid. Because it's time to come out from behind the shadows and see what God wants to do with your life. So I'm going to open up the altar here. And uh, if you just like prayer, if you'd like to come up for one or two of those, you, you know you're in the desert and you know you're struggling and you feel like you're Elijah who's been forgotten, I'd like you to come up for that. Or number two, if you know that God has called you to begin to mentor somebody else and speak healing and life into their life, I'd like to also call you up. So let's just take a minute. I'm going to pray. And, uh, and just invite you to come up. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just move here now. I know that you've got great intentions for this body, and great intentions for this valley, that you want to see the kingdom of heaven expand. And I just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. I pray, God, that you would touch those areas in lives right here, right now, that you know that you've appointed them for such a time as this or such an anointing, or such a gifting, or calling, that it is time for them to rise and shine. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
I invite you to just come up now, and if we have people come up, I'm going to invite some ministry team people to come up and lay hands and pray, even if you're not on the ministry team today, if you're part of a ministry team, feel free to come up and, and pray with people, okay? And we've got lots of time, so no hurry to run off. <laughs>